Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. I tell my small business clients and my all my relatives back in Mississippi that want to be entrepreneurs, I say, if you don't have complete, accurate, and timely financial statements, then what you have is a hobby. You don't have a business. And so passionate about good finance and accounting practices and systems and processes and getting the right people in the right roles. I should not have been an accountant, and I'm in a better role now. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Strength in the Number show. Now, you've just heard from Catherine Halpin, who we'll be talking with today. And Catherine's a bit unusual in that she started back in her dad's practice, back in Mississippi, at the age of nine, before using then the passing away of her father to become a bit more strategic about her career in accounting and finance and so on. You know, despite this very sad event, we do talk about it, and Catherine's used it very positively because nowadays Catherine leads the help in groups of companies. She's a leadership strategist, and you'll just love her energy and enthusiasm that comes out from our conversation together. Now, what I'm most interested in talking about with Catherine is how, in building upon her CPA career, she developed a proprietary method to build alignment in corporate cultures. And in the podcast, we deconstruct her nine habits on how to become more strategic and successful in her finance and accounting careers. There's loads of practical uh, things to do in there, as well as a few strategic ones that are that are really useful and I think accessible to most of those listening in today. And if you did want to follow up on this, we also mentioned Catherine's book in the show notes, Alignment for Success, bringing out the best in yourself, your teams and your company. And also on this podcast, we talk about how we can remain passionate to our finance and accounting profession by focusing on our core personal values. For those aspiring to the CFO position, how we can start with the basics and then harness those basics to leverage the and develop the higher order skills that are required. And also investing our time in building relationships. Uh, and it could be as simple as doing things like sending greeting cards. So look, I know you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, before we jump into it, just want to remind you, you can find the key resources that are mentioned, timestamp show notes, ways to connect with today's guest mentor at sitnshow.com. And we always really appreciate when you recommend the show to your colleagues and friends and leave reviews of whether or not you enjoyed the episodes. So thank you very much for your support and help in growing our podcast to over 150 countries. So without further ado, over to Catherine and the show. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's a real honor and a privilege for me to be here with you today and be able to contribute to your audience. That's what I'm really looking forward to, Catherine, is, is that contribution because your profile is looks extremely interesting. I, I can't promise our audience we'll get to all of it, but I'd love to, to get at least through some of it. Sure. But before we jump into it, uh, perhaps maybe could you describe for us your sort of uh, briefly your journey in accounting and finance, please. Yes, it's a long journey. My dad was a CPA in Mississippi, a sole practitioner, specializing in trusts and estates, high net worth individuals and corporate and personal returns. And he did a little bit of write-up work too 
for a few clients, uh, small businesses, and his clients in Mississippi in that, that small town were like doctors, me medical practices, uh, auto parts store, hardware store. When I was about eight or nine, I had dem demonstrated so much leadership in my home because of how my parents were and the, the, the leadership void that I saw there with my younger siblings. They were full of fun, so they, nothing wrong with them, but they just weren't very organized and neither of them had a lot of common sense. So I started to feel that leadership void and I um, he said to me uh, like Friday night one Friday night he said hey you could come to work with me in the in the office in the morning and so I went into the office and I was only eight or nine years old and uh, so that my journey's been a very long one but I did finish my accounting degree and get my CPA license and I did a variety of things I worked in not just for him, but in Dallas for oil and gas and for a big eight accounting firm. Worked in nonprofits, worked government. I, there's not anything that I haven't touched in my career. Fortune 500 companies, fail savings and loans. Uh, if you're old enough to remember the RTC, I worked for fail savings and loan. And it's kind of a funny story about how I had all those jobs, but I've seen everything. I've seen QuickBooks to mainframe accounting systems. I'm like farmer's insurance. I know a lot because I've seen a lot. That's a US-based insurance company. That's what their tagline is. So, but I'm passionate about accounting and finance because I tell my small business clients and my all my relatives back in Mississippi that want to be entrepreneurs, I say, if you don't have complete, accurate, and timely financial statements, then what you have is a hobby. You don't have a business. And so passionate about good finance and accounting practices and systems and processes and getting the right people in the right roles. I should not have been an accountant and I'm in a better role now. And we'll talk more about that. But thanks for asking me to share about my journey. I'm proud of my I'm proud of my journey. And my dad is my why because he why I do this work is my dad because he passed away at the age of 55 from a massive heart attack from working all those nights and weekends. So I'm so passionate about helping people be more strategic and have time to work on their business, not just in their career and their business, so that they can not pay such a high cost. My dad paid a very high cost. Oh, wow. That, I, look, I'm sorry to hear for your loss, Catherine, but I, I hope some of the advice and what you've learned since will, will really help our audience. Oh, I you know? promise uh, it will. I promise. There's so much in there. And I, I did apologize up front as well to our audience. You know, we'll do our best to get as much of that uh, shared on today's episode. Before we jump into some of those pieces that you mentioned about the passion, Catherine, and how do you keep that passion going for, for such, a, such a long time? I mean... With all the change, I mean, that's got to be fairly tiring, keeping up with all of that and staying ahead of it, with all the developments, uh, with, again, with your, with your father, what you mentioned there. How do you keep the passion going? Well, one of my core values is continuous improvement. And that's one of the reasons I was never really successful as an accountant or a paraprofessional or a tax accountant or an internal auditor, all the different things I did because I'm a big picture systems thinker. And so I'm looking at, and I, am, and I have a core value around continuous improvement. And so I was always saying to my boss, you know, we could do this project better, faster, smarter. And he or she was saying, no, Catherine, we got a good, this is a proven system and we, we're going to keep following this system. But thank you very much for sharing. So that's one way. I'm passionate about the business. Because my dad instilled that when I was just a little kid. He would tell me stories about his clients and their involvement in the community and their impact. What owning a business or a business leader afforded you, the, the impact our community. That's what I'm so passionate about. That's what drives everything. So I, I have to admit, I haven't done a good job in uh, 
stay on top of like Sarbanes, actually, but I, I've stayed in touch with it and all the changes since then through my finance client. So I can't... You can't, I can't speak on those topics, those, uh, you know, regulatory topics or the changes in the industry. I have a lot of opinions about the changes in the industry, but I don't have any direct knowledge. It's just all from discussions with clients, seeing what their challenges are. Yeah, it's interesting when you sort of uh, just finishing up on that, you know, it's about clients and what their challenges are. And back to your point as well about the, the impact we can make uh, as accountants, as finance professionals, if you've got well-functioning businesses, in theory, well-functioning communities, societies, and, and increases the wealth and prosperity around us, right? So, we, you know, we play a very important uh, part in, in the world and making things go around. But right. I, I think, again, it comes back to, you say, you say, clients, it comes back to people. So there's the people we're helping, but also the people in our profession. And I think like that was sort of one of the, the, the things I was picking up on was, uh, I suppose, developing the leaders of tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but but in terms of how you arrived at that, I think I might have picked up on a comment as well where you said maybe you weren't probably best suited to accounting right. when you're looking back on it. Why, why oh. would you say something like that? And you're so oh passionate about God. it. Well, I have that I for free. So we can even maybe put the link on your when you post this podcast. But it tells me, but and it's based on pattern matching algorithms. And it tells me, definitively why I should never have been an accountant. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. the, str- the strengths of an accountant are not my strengths. I'm not detail oriented. I'm just, and in addition to not having those strengths, I'm dyslexic with numbers. So I don't even know how I did it, but I'm, I'm good with a 10 key. <laughs> I can say that it's since I started as a data entry operator, in my dad's CPA firm. And then I love what the, what the numbers show us. I'm passionate about what the data shows us, the trends, the patterns. If we don't have good data, we don't have anything. So, but my test, uh, it's called the core values index. It's not my test, but I, I'm licensed to use it. It shows me definitively why I should never have been an accountant. I'm a people person. And so when I was in those analytical roles, I was always down the hall chatting with someone instead of doing my analytical work. And then like my dad, he same way. He's the person and his served him well in his little a senior firm in Vicksburg, Mississippi. He gave the clients as much time as they wanted. He knew all of the children and their dog and their vision for their company. And he did a lot of coaching like I do. But then at night and the weekends, how he was getting earning his money was doing their tax returns and their financial statements. And that's how he spent his nights and his weekends. And that's what caused him to have a massive heart attack at five, I mean, at 55. So I have those important conversations with business leaders about their vision for their company and their vision, their legacy, their vision for their family. But I get at five o'clock, I'm done and I don't have to do anybody's tax return. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, that, that, that is a relief. But I, I think I think there's probably a lot of people in our profession thinking about, you know, whether whether career in accounting and finance is for them. But the way you've just described it, there's a role for those who are strong with strong with numbers. Uh, 10 keys yeah. as well, by the way, which I appreciate you saying, because I started in data entry as well in, in accounts. So so 10 key skills are very important back then that's, as well. And, that's right. But also for people, people persons as well, people, people. Yes, yes. And see, uh, let me say something about that. So if the profession... So if I had, if I entered the profession today, I would have been a wildly successful CPA because people now have more awareness about how to align people in roles that they're good with. Somebody yeah. would come, you know, I would be two or three, four years into my CPA profession and somebody would come and tap me on the shoulder and they would say, hey, we're going to put you in our HR department because you're such a people person. Or, or we're going to put you in, in business development, sales and marketing. 
because you're such a relationship builder. So I could have been a successful CPA, but back in the 1980s, when early 80s, when I started, people didn't have that. And so nobody was tapping me on the shoulder wanting to promote me. They were uh, instead uh, in the corner office putting together a package to get rid of me. They, were, they would pay me to go away. <laughs> It's interesting how that's been one one major development, which makes a career in accounting and finance very attractive nowadays. Is yeah. is, the, is is there's a place for a lot of people now and a lot of different areas to go into? But I get I guess there's probably still some core strengths of of the modern finance professional that we should still be mindful of, right? Well, I don't know about that. I think the CFO does look needs to look more like me. But to mm. get valuing accuracy and timeliness and completeness and those sorts of things, you can't go out of you know come out of college and start as a CFO being the strategic leader. So you do have to be able to prove yourself and make sure that the numbers are accurate, so that you have the system. So when you get to be the CFO, you have the systems and the processes in place to be able to rely on the numbers and the data. One hundred percent. And I suppose in terms you mentioned the CFO and and, and I suppose developing the leaders of tomorrow. I mean, are there sort of sort of any sort of steps or things we should be looking out for to make sure we're developing in the most effective way? Yes. Uh, there's a thousand tests out there that you can offer people. The Gallup Strengths Finder is very popular. I'm trained in the DISC and I'm also trained and certified in the Predictive Index. I have and I have access to all of those. I'm tremendously uh, passionate about those. And then the one I have used mostly over the last decade is called the Core Values Index. But just helping people, and but you can just by chatting with people, you know, you can figure out what their strengths are and just more, measuring their performance and their productivity. You can help figure out what they're passionate about. That's what I would encourage everybody to do. One of the pieces I think that's missing in leadership is the notion that you have to. Re- to eat people differently because they're not computers, they're not robot people, mm. and they're motivated by different things, passionate about different things, and they have different strengths. And if you can take the time to figure out, you know, if you're a CFO and you got six or eight people on your team, if, if you can just take that extra 10 or 15 minutes before each meeting and after each meeting to reflect on now, what did Bob say to me? What is he most passionate about based on what the meetings I've had with Bob so far? If you can figure that out, then you can build a rock solid team. And those people will have loyalty to you for the rest of their career. They'll go with you to different companies if you leave, or they'll go the ladder as you. But if you're trying to use a cookie cutter approach to leadership, or worse, not even engaging your people, so often I'll meet leaders and I'll say, well, how often do you meet with your people? Well, I never meet with them. They're idiots. Why would I meet with them? <laughs> and we're only as, we're only as successful as our team. If nobody, if you don't learn anything else from our conversation today, please, please, please take that away. We're only going to be as successful as our team can be successful. Can't do it by ourselves. I completely agree. And, and and actually, there was a rather good book a, a guest mentor recommended on the show a number of months ago. I think it was like The Nine Lies About Work. Yeah. And, um, and one of them mentioned the importance of teams, the success in their careers, right? And it's right. it's something I never, never, I mean, it's great people like yourself, Catherine, are calling this out. I just mm-hmm. can't say I had anyone really explicitly calling this stuff out much no. in my career. So, and I don't think it's covered really on our accounting exams or syllabuses. No. So, 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 so what? <laughs> so to, to do the right things, let's to be to be effective. What can we be doing to, to get the best out of our teams and then maximize our, t- our chances of success? Well, thank you for asking that, Andrew. This is such a good question. So we can be in, either in reactive mode or we can be in a strategic responsive mode. And most people, thanks to the uh, invention of the iPhone 2009 and Android right after that, most people today 
are like crack addicts. We're like a methamphetamine addicts. We're addicted to these devices and it impairs our judgment just like it would if we were taking drugs or drinking alcohol during the workday. And so I have an ebook called the Respond Not React Playbook and it's 99 cents on Amazon, but I send it to people all the time for free if you can't pay the 99 cents. <laughs> and uh, or if you're already engaged with me and we're communication, I'll send it to them. But it's nine habits that if you practice those nine habits, you will, first of all, have more white space on your calendar. If this was interact with your listeners, we could poll them. And I'm sure 100% of your listeners would say, uh, yes, I could benefit from more white space on my calendar. Even if I'm still a college student, I could benefit from more white space on my calendar. So it gets you more white space under your calendar. It gets you out of overwhelm. Coming from Mississippi and going to work when I was eight or nine years old, you can imagine I had a lot of baggage and I was always feeling of overwhelm. I wasn't going to get everything done that I needed to do. And so I developed these time, not, I didn't invent them. They're just simple time management practices, but I expanded them and made them even more valuable. And so if I wake up on a, nowadays, I don't wake up in the, during the work week feeling overwhelmed, but sometimes occasionally I'll feel overwhelmed on a Saturday or a Sunday, just maybe too many social commitments, too many errands to run. And I'll just, before I even get out of bed, I'll take my phone and I'll make a, in my notes section, I'll make a to-do list. I call that a brain dump. The personal, the family, the community, and the work. And, and we don't want to just write down, do my 2019 tax return. We want to chunk that project down into all the steps, like pull out my 2018 tax return. You know, For me as a small business owner, get with my bookkeeper to make sure that all the bank statements have been reconciled up through 1231. Review that general ledger with her and see if there's anything that's not right or, or just get her to do a variance analysis to show which, you know, which of my line items are out of whack from 2018. So make an appointment with my CPA or uh, fill out my organizer from my CPA. Just chunk that thing down. If you just write on your to-do list, we're never going to have time to do that. But if you chunk it down into little baby steps, you can get three or four of those done today and six or eight of them done in the next 10 days. Every time you get something done, you feel a sense of accomplishment. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think I think there's, we're, we're very guilty, and I'm, bar, I'm borrowing this phrase from someone. We tend to to overestimate what we can achieve in a short space of time and a longer yeah. space of time. We tend to underestimate that, you know, and I think yeah. that's the, the approach is you're not going to get it all done in one day. No. Um, you know, but, but you know, you made a good point about white space. Um, this is one mm-hmm. thing I think can really help people as well, Catherine, is, is identifying that white space, having the courage to, to take that time to, yeah. to do what needs to be and then, done, right? And, you know, and then knowing how to use that productively. That, that was, yes, that's the next yeah. point. So, like that, yeah. and it's always the first space to go in terms of, uh, you know, something urgent drill. comes up, yeah. a fire drill, yes, yeah. eats into yeah. it. So so how can yeah. we, one, build it in and two, protect it <laughs> to get the most out of it? It takes all nine habits. So habits seven, eight, nine are that strategic think time, that white space and how you can use that. But let me start with habit number one. Habit number one is to give yourself a 20 minute break between meetings. So like I had a call at 830 with somebody on the East Coast. I told him at the beginning of the call, I only have 45 minutes because I have to have my 15 minute break before I get on my next call with Andrew for this podcast. And if I was going out to meet with somebody for lunch, then I'm going to give myself an extra 20 minutes of travel time because it's human nature to want to send one more email. <laughs> I'm just going to oh, send yeah. one more email before I leave my office. Well, then all of a sudden you're, you're late. 
And so then the universe rewards us to the degree that we demonstrate that we're eligible to be rewarded. And so if we run out of here with our hair on fire, then we're going to get behind a bus or a school bus, or we're going to get caught in construction traffic. So giving yourself that 15 to 20 minute window lets you make a note of what did I accomplish in that last meeting? What did I promise people? What did they promise me? And then what's the purpose of my next meeting? What role am I supposed to play? Am I the decision maker or am I just there to brief the decision maker? So that's the that's habit number one. Habit number two is doing the brain dump, which I already described, but making family, community, work, everything included. And then the third one is making sure your calendar's up to date because with all these electronic tools that we have for our calendar, sometimes it gets a little wackadoodle. I use the planner pad. This is my 2019 because I have my 2020 open on my desk. It's called plannerpads.com. And I, of the age and of the mindset that I need to have it written down, it's better for me. I can... We can keyboard as fast as we can think, but we cannot write as fast as we can think. And so by writing things on my calendar and my to-do list, it helps me slow myself down. So getting my calendar up to date, make sure it's all accurate. And then the fourth step is the first step to get the white space. I call it a commitments review. To scroll through the calendar, scroll through that brain dump and say, which of these projects could I delegate? Who would be better at this than me? Especially if you're in an organization with a team, their people have different strengths than you. So let them do the tasks that they're better at or that they are at their level. You don't have to do everything. That's where you start to get some white space and get some relief. And then the fifth one is to prepare for meetings. This is a new habit. I used to, for 20 plus years, I had eight habits, but just two years ago, I revised this ebook and added in a preparation for meetings. I have five P's in there about how you can prepare for meetings and measure progress for for projects that are moving through some kind of a team because meetings are are not as productive as they used to be. People come in and they're, first of all, they're multitasking. And second Mm -hmm. of all, they're they're not prepared. They don't know what the purpose of the meeting is. They don't know what the agenda is. So that helps you get, have more meaningful meetings. And then the sixth habit is project work time. It's the work that you would normally do in the evenings after your children have gone to bed or after five o'clock when the office gets quiet or maybe on Sunday morning early before your family's up. If we can take those projects that you're doing then and put them in normal work hours so you can have a life and get your life back. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do it actually, you know, the first time you write something on Wednesday at two o'clock, it might not happen, but at least you're raising your awareness that it's possible. And maybe I'll move it to Thursday or Friday, or maybe I'll move it to next Wednesday. And then over time, the more you put those things in your calendar, the more likely you will be able to actually get that work done during the work hours. And, you know, maybe that's 7am to 6pm, you know, that's a long day, but somewhere in there so that you're not doing it night and weekends because studies show now that our judgment is impaired from working those long hours and going without sleep yeah yeah i completely and i'm delighted that people are talking about these things yeah. more i think there's that false yeah. economy isn't it to working through lunch as opposed to taking that break or like Accenture and companies like that have um, said, oh, take as much PTO as you want. But then they shame you. Your peers shame you because they have to cover for you when you're gone and your boss yeah. shames you. And so then they say now people in those big companies have taken an average of 2.5 days a year. Not, they're not taking real vacations. They're taking long, a couple of long weekends and calling it a day. And then habit seven, eight, nine around the strategic think time. So seven is to delegate more effectively 
people say, oh, I can't delegate to my people. They're all idiots. Well, that's because you haven't given the tools to be successful. Yeah, if you yeah. take just three minutes and a post-it note, you can write on that post-it note, okay, what, how will we measure success from this project? We need, you know, 187 widgets built by this date and at this level of quality. And then you can help your people be more successful. Or I need an analysis of these three balance sheet items you know, for this time period. And I need all the source documentation that's, you know, going to help me understand where did those, how do we get those assets that I didn't even know we had. So delegating more effectively, having 10, three minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes. And then the other one, the next one is to problem solve because we all have a fire drill of the day. A chance yeah. of the day pop up just like that every day. So how can we have a little white space on our calendar built in to solve that problem once and for all or to at least pick up the patterns and you know i've got this issue bob's letting me down he's not delivering on time and on budget and last quarter it was joe and the quarter before that it was mary sue so i'm the common denominator what's missing in how i communicate so my I people could be better and then the last habit uh habit number nine is what peter singe he coined this phrase he's a noted expert in management and leadership and he coined the phrase creative tension and he says creative tension is the gap so say this is the current reality down here and if we just focus on the current reality we might not want to get out of bed tomorrow you know like you're a small business owner it's on a downturn or something it might be too overwhelming but if we just focus on the vision up here you're it's hard to get people to buy in say oh that's just pie in the sky we're never going to be able to create that but if you if you focus simultaneously on the vision and the current reality and you measure the tension between that, he calls it creative tension, the gap between where you are, whether it's in your profession or your schoolwork, if you're still a student, you know, I'm a C student, I need to be a B plus student, or I'm a B student, I need to be an A student, uh, whatever that gap is, or if I'm a CFO, and we're going to go through an acquisition, what's the role I need to play in that? Does that make sense? Those nine habits? Yeah, I like the way you sort of capped it off there, Catherine, with the strategic ones, because I think um, I think that the worst thing uh, our listeners could do is thinking that by working in their careers or or being productive or, or doing answering emails or whatever, if they're doing all that stuff and responding to people, they're not really working on their careers, which is the strategic activity. Right. You know? So it's so important to have both. Right. Let's talk about gender differences for a minute. So everybody's at risk. 100% of us, if we're breathing human being, we're at risk for thinking that we're going to be rewarded based on what we produce. But for women, it's way worse. It's way worse. Even in it feels like accounting where more than 50% of the graduates are, are women. Yeah. The women are not yeah. getting necessarily into those leadership roles or they're not staying in the leadership roles because they see that they had to pay too high, high of a price. And so it's the women who keep, we especially are at risk for, you know, trying to, you know, just stay focused on those emails and the projects and getting everything done and delivering on time and on budget and not being strategic. We're not going to be rewarded for the results we get. We're going to be rewarded by the relationships that we build. My mother said that to me every day of my childhood. It's not who you are, what you know, it's who you know. And being able to yeah. build those relationships in the first place and nurture and leverage those. I could give you a three-day symposium right this minute on that, Andrew. I'm so passionate <laughs> about that. Yeah, it's I, I, it's great. It's great you called it out because the more people hear this, the more more will take action. I, I know in my own career, uh, you know, as um as a as a white male, you know, I, I have that. I definitely have that privilege of, of that. I did not put the right emphasis on relationships. And as well, right. you know, until right. I was well into my career, 
Right. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, but but the great thing is, is that, you know, the guest mentors on this show, you know, are leading uh, sort of with leading insights in terms of how the importance of relationships are keeping them maintained. You yeah. just remind me, Catherine, of um, uh, of a young senior vice president, uh, female senior vice president we ha- have had on the show from a, an American bank who said exactly what you said. It's yeah. really about investing the time in relationships and who you know. It's, it's very, very important. It could be as simple as sending out, first you send out, you know, 25 holiday cards early in your career. And then, you know, a little bit later, you're up to um, 200. And then 2000, when you get to be somebody my age, you know, all the people, if I had been keeping that list and sending out those holiday cards, I would be up to two or 3000 cards and, and put a stamp on that and write a little personal note. That's so powerful. And just stay in touch yeah, by text. Yeah, anything in between. Yeah, anything. It's just, it's, just, it's just popping back into the mind, and who knows where that that will go, you know. Um, and, and then coming, bringing it back with the strategic piece you mentioned is being clear about what you want and the and the outcomes you're right. driving towards. Because right. the more people that know what you're you're looking for, might be able to help you on that journey. I think it comes back to team as well in terms yes. of the delegation. Or, yes. or when it comes to the meetings, getting getting the purpose right of, of the meetings, you know, so people are yes. actually more effective. It's a great course. way to earn better reputations. It's more strategic of course. thinking. Of course. You, know? you could be a summer intern and go into mm-hmm. a meeting with a team. And you and if you said, hey, um, I'm sorry, I don't know much. Um, could, would it be uh, possible for somebody to articulate to me what the purpose of this meeting is? <laughs> the meeting is now going to be exponentially more productive yeah. because that summer yeah. intern asked that question. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I, and actually, there was another great bit of advice came up was uh, take the minutes of the meeting as well. You know, yeah. it's a great way of learning what's happening, but also the influence yeah. from the person sending out the minutes and the actions has yeah. a certain kudos attached to it, you know. So uh, some of great course. tips coming up on uh, on this episode, Catherine. No, uh, thank you course. for those. Yeah. Oh, I've got so much to share. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so look, I mean, you, you know, you've been giving us great advice, sharing great advice with us. I mean, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? That is such a good question. I think the best advice I've been given has been to slow down, to speed up. And um, so growing up, I had to grow up fast in my home in Mississippi because my parents were just so social. They weren't really focused on the three meals a day and the homework that I mean, they were focused, of course, to some degree, but it wasn't their primary focus. Their primary focus was socializing and having a big network of friends themselves and making sure it was very important to my mother that we all be very social people. And um, so she didn't do a lot of parenting, but she I was painfully shy. I know it's hard to believe that, Andrew, but I was so painfully shy and she worked very hard to get me out of that little shell. She would take me with her to her events and we would talk in the car before we got out of the car and about what I should say and what should be comfortable. She would, you know, we asked, is it comfortable? Did it make sense? And did you feel comfortable saying stuff? So, so anyway, out of all that childhood, I developed a mindset of I got to be on guard. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, when is another shoe going to drop? So it's trying to get us to church on time, trying to get us to school on time and trying to be responsible for things a little kid shouldn't be responsible for. And so I took some baggage with me and it is this sense of urgency and things are not urgent. I'm not, I'm not doing brain surgery here. (laughs) Nobody's going to live or die if I don't get back to them that day. And so over the last 25 years having my own firm, the helping companies, I've really had to learn that painfully sometimes painfully just to slow down to speed up that I'll be more effective my clients will get more value if I just slow down so like yesterday 
I wasn't feeling well. I don't know what was going on, but I just, uh, oh, I hadn't slept well, I think maybe. Yeah, I hadn't slept well and uh, I just wasn't feeling well. And so I didn't have anything on my calendar until, I don't know, 4.30 or something, you know, after my lunch meeting. And so I just got in bed and took a nap and I slept for at least 30 or 45 minutes. And then I still stayed in bed longer than that. And because I knew the, the world was not going to come to an end if I took a nap on a, you know, Tuesday afternoon. So just giving myself that kind of permission and putting in the important things, the important rocks first on my calendar, my family, my spouse, our health, our well-being, and then putting in the clients around that. You know, I think that's that's some great bits of advice to share. I think I think our audience will resonate. And, and for the rocks you mentioned, I, I what, what an image jumped into my head there, Catherine, of I think it was a YouTube clip of, of that sort of rocks exercise. You put the big ones in first. And then there's room from smaller rocks, and then you just put the sand in last or whatever. Right. You know, the, right. You know, the sand, just, just the get sand the big rocks the, first. The sand is the email. So when we can get yeah. to those emails, we'll get up, we'll get to them. But let's be focused on the big rocks, our loved ones, and our health, and our well-being, and our self-care and self-leadership. I say to be a strategic leader, you can't lead backwards, being in reactive mode, not having clarity about your strengths, not having clarity about your your vision for your career, not having clarity about what's the three things you need to get done today. You got to have all that clarity or else you're just going to be in reactive mode. That's really fantastic. So thank you for sharing that. I I suppose in terms of if there's any, I know you mentioned the nine habits, uh, Peter Senge's work as well. Um, Are there any sort of other books or recommended resources you'd you'd, uh, suggest to our audience? Well, of course, my own book, uh, it's called Alignment First Success, Bringing Out the Best. It's five short chapters, two-hour read, and the first chapter is on the high cost of chaos and confusion in organizations. When people are not speaking up, they don't feel safe to speak up or take initiative or take ownership. And then the, the second and third chapters are on self-leadership. First, your mindset, getting yourself in the right mindset, and then getting yourself in the right action. Because if you don't, Bill George is the former CEO of Medtronic, a big like Fortune 5 size company. And he said when he saw leaders not be successful, it wasn't because they weren't leading their teams. It was because they weren't leading themselves. Mm. So we have to do the self-leadership, the self-care. For me, again, given my childhood, I have to have my rest. I have to have time in nature. I have to have time to exercise. I can't eat any sugar. I have a lot of food sensitivity, so I don't eat alcohol. So I can't be a big partier. So those are some fundamentals for me because if I had a glass of wine this evening with dinner, then tomorrow I would just feel like, oh, I had the flu and a migraine headache. And if I don't get out in nature, I just sort of get kind of cranky. (laughs) So I, I think those are big for everybody. Getting elevated getting out of nature and using those habits but uh, bill george is one of my favorites there's ram sharan h-a-r-a-n he does work like i do but he's more like at the jack welch level and uh working at companies like general motors and then uh, bill george ram, ram sharan and uh, peter singe those are some of my favorite authors awesome i, I appreciate those recommendations and, and- should our audience wish to continue the conversation with you, Catherine, where's the best place to connect with you at? Well, uh, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. In my, I spell my name funny. It's K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E, Catherine Halpin, H-A-L-P-I-N. So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook, 
I have a website, helpingcompany.com. And my phone number, if you're in the States, feel free to call me, 602-266-1961. And I could give you my email. Is that too much? Yeah. Hey, sure, no. sure. Far yeah. away as you got, you okay. got actually. It's, it's, it's K for Catherine dot Halpin, H-A-L-P as in Peter, N as in Nathan Halpin, at Halpin company one word helping company and companies all fed out.com so email is actually a little bit more efficient i think but reach out in any way and um get my books i have three books on amazon the early version of the eight habits and then the later version of the nine habits and then the um alignment for success and right now on um, the kindles of all three of those are 99 cents i put that on for the holidays and i haven't taken that off yet because celebrate i'm celebrating my birthday this week <laughs> Oh, congratulations. As, so so yeah. look, as a birthday present to our audience, please uh, do uh, go yeah. and check those out. And uh, there's no excuse, you know, it's access right. that knowledge. You know, that's right. 99 cents. Right. You know. right. so, 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 Catherine, look, thank you so much for those recommendations. I'm going to yeah. put links to all of those in the show notes Good. as well. Thank make you. it easy for audience to, uh, to get it. So even less of an excuse now when they found that white space to go do these things. That's and, right. Um, Good. <laughs> And I suppose, you know, Patrick, like, you know, great advice. I, I, I love the story. I love your why behind it. Unfortunately, circumstances, I, I, I know, but, you, you know, mm-hmm. it's allowed you to share such great advice. That's and nine right. Habits, That's you know? right. That and, which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. So, so I was just wondering dad, before, but, we, before we wrap uh-huh. up, uh, maybe uh-huh. any other parting thoughts for our audience? Well, we have to value ourselves. We can't just, for years, I valued my, I put my lawyer's needs over my own needs. And then I put my clients' needs over my own needs. It's, those are not sustainable models. So we have to invest in ourselves and we have to value ourselves. And we have to see, have the mindset of a scientist and just keep collecting data and saying, how fascinating. This is not what I had hoped to achieve here by this stage of my career or by you know this time of day to day. But isn't this fascinating? Because when we're judgmental, we, we break down, the, we put a brick wall between ourselves and our intuition, and we put a brick wall between ourselves and whoever we're being judgmental about. If we're saying, oh, those guys are idiots, I'm never meeting with them. Well, get you put up a wall. So if you say, I'm just a scientist here collecting data, and I'm going to synthesize this data, and I'm going to run some more experiments based on what the data shows me so that I'm not going to be judgmental. Because when you're in that reactive judgmental mode, someone else, is controlling your destiny and it's not you and so if you want to be in control of your career or your your fortune five company that you're a cfo of or anything in between then you have to be in strategic a strategic non-judgmental mindset i think i think that's a great great way to wrap up catherine i, I couldn't agree couldn't agree more so uh, let's, let's get more control of our own careers and Catherine thank you so much thank for coming you, on our show today you. oh it's such a delight and I lo- I'm so passionate about your audience I'm so grateful for this opportunity so there you have it hope you enjoyed today's show if you'd like to know more about our guests today their bio and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter. 
which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.